I'm Jim Mallard, host of The Mallard Report. On The Mallard Report, along with my guest, we will have a conversation where we will share thoughts and opinions. For more information, my bio, past shows, social media links, and so much more, visit mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D dot com. And thanks for listening. Hey everybody, I want you to go over and check out schoolofairs.com, Dr. David Perrin's new book. He was a guest on the show in August. You can go back through the archive and find that. We talk about the common sense approach to school safety and just life safety as well when you're in groups of uh, people or out and about. That's schoolofairs.com. Before we begin, I, I, my guest is on the line and she's already heard this, but I just feel the need to share this with everybody. This show almost went up in smoke before it started. Um, I'm sitting here uh, lighting my candle and the match... Uh, the mat, the lit match broke in half and fell on my lap, and I just kind of sat there for a minute looking at it, total amazement and disbelief. No, I didn't burn myself too bad. Not bad enough that I had to run out of the studio and, you know, not do the show. So, but we're here. We're going to do it. My guest tonight is um, Marlene Hardo. You get that right? I didn't even ask you yeah. that earlier. Yeah, that's fine. That's part of it, yeah. <laughs> Most of the time I psych myself so out. Like, I'll ask the guest and I'll sit here and I'll, you know, like, chisel in my desk because I'm trying to get it in my head and I'll still butcher it. That's good. Maybe I'll just stop asking people and just swing it. <laughs> so I don't even know where to start with you. Now, this... Wherever you, you want. You, you've um, got, you've got books. You, you do narration. You've got some podcasts. Let's start with the books because it seems like I, if I, I recall. I was going to tell you because I was going to tell you before I did any of those things, I've been a paranormal investigator since the 1990s, which is the basis that, uh, for some of my early books. I was going to say, there's some of that too. See, there's just, like I said, I, I, well, I needed two arguments because it's easier to flip a coin and pick a road to go down. You add that third one, it kind of gets, well. So what got you interested back in the 90s? Well, yeah, I'm sure you've heard a version of this somewhere along the line, which is, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you you read books about ghosts and, you know, and of course, back then there was no reality shows, none of the stuff. And it was very limited. And, you know, they had some shows like In Search Of, Leonard Nimoy, and that was it. And then, you know, I, I, I was always it was I was always interested in it. And then I, I started accompanying some people uh as far as uh, on some cases, and I joined a research foundation that covers the state of Florida. And what I liked about their approach was that they first they they first did a scientific strictly. And by the way, this was prior to any of the reality shows, prior to Ghost Hunters, prior to any of this, where they did a scientific approach, a visit totally separate, and then if anything was found, then they would go back for a second one to find out what happened. Uh, so that's how I got involved with it. And like I tell everybody, back then, uh, reliability, not that many people were willing to do it, uh, professionalism. And by this I mean, when I started back in the 90s, most people did not want a van to pull up in the front of their house and spill out a bunch of people with equipment. Uh, if, if Because usually by the time they actually contacted somebody, they had pro they had already gone through a list of clergy, uh, sometimes even mental health people, um, sometimes they had even reached out to maybe a local university depending on where they lived. So they were and they were really scared, whether there was something paranormal or not. So after a while and I was always a freelancer. I worked with a lot of different groups and I was reliable and I was professional and very important. I knew how to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> People don't realize that now, you know, in the era of reality TV where everybody wants to talk about it. And, you know, back then, uh, you know, that, that was really important. Um, and little by little, you just start being called in. I, I, I did a lot of fill-ins for people that uh, I was willing to drive a little bit. I, I, they would call me in for a lot of the things down in South Florida. I'm bilingual, uh, especially if um, sometimes there was uh, – some type of maybe involvement of uh, Santeria or some of the Afro-Caribbean uh, religious, something in, in, in the mix that they feared or that they didn't understand, I would go in on it with them. Uh, again, I traveled and I, I filled in a bunch of times and I was really good on the pre-interview with um, 
with clients, you know, basically, and which is what I like because a lot of people think even back then that if you were into this, you were willing to believe everything was paranormal and it was the other way around. You're at least for myself and I know for what these are what I call hardcore investigators. By the way, there's very few of us in the United States. These are people that have done it for a really long time. Uh, still do it and they're the the standards they set as far as what's truly paranormal is very high. However, they do that because just uh, everyone that I know of that will fall into this group has had a legitimate supernatural experience usually more than once. So they kind of differentiate between sensationalism or people getting working themselves, priming themselves to take something that's really not that significant or questionable and make it into like, what? This is really paranormal. You know, on the contrary. So like I said, I worked with a lot of different groups and I've always been a freelancer and reliability and then it just evolves. And then of course, you know, we... The last few years that we got into the reality TV thing, many, many years ago, I, you know, I, I got contacted by some companies. Do you got cases? I go, yeah, I got a bunch of them, but these are private homes. I could not divulge, you know, what happened, which, by the way, this is where you see a good concentration of truly disturbing cases is in private homes. All right. I would say the exception to them as far as historical landmarks would be asylums. Or prisons. Those right there, you're guaranteed you're going to have some type of hauntings besides residual. And they're usually, there's a a good chance a lot of them are dark. Uh, But besides that, uh, private homes. And of course, you know, you can't break confidentiality, even if it's years afterwards, with with what happened there. Especially if there was something actually that was taking place. Uh, And then, you know, it led me in the last few years to to write about it i've done podcasts i have you know i have emails stretching back till like the early 2000s people would email me their stories or things that would happen to them just you know things that occurred to them they never understood why it happened or what it was or you know sometimes they moved away in other words there was just something that occurred to them and i've got a bunch of those stories that i received throughout the years that people would just send me their emails and it's surprising because I think that in some cases I was the only one that knew that story because people were very hesitant to share it, even with friends, family members, because it, they they kind of got scared or they thought they were going to get looked at like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. That kind of deal. So, yeah. yeah it's far easier to share a story of a stranger that isn't in the well, same room with you than somebody you know. Well, or a sympathetic ear at the very least, or somebody that they think, hey, but this person's seen or heard it all. So they're not going to be like, oh, well, you're crazy, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> oh, we definitely are crazy, but that's here or there. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, but, you know, uncertifiable, <laughs> I don't know. Pretending to be normal, or what I say, why be normal? That's kind of boring. But, uh, yeah. So it, it's one of those things that you, you kind of work, just it just evolves. You know, you don't really have a starting point or an ending point. It just just keeps going and another year goes by and another event or another case or another call. I do a lot of consulting now with a lot of different groups. A lot of different people that know me will call me and consult with me to, you know, asking me questions about certain things. What do I think about certain things? Um, And again, I've seen a lot of groups come and go. That's why I'm saying I know who are the really, um, who are the investigators out there that really know what's going on as far as the paranormal or working in the paranormal with the paranormal. Oh, without question. It, it, those are the people who, Oh snap. I just had this, um, this image. I don't go to many of these events or conferences, anything like mm-hmm. I probably, let's see. It's been two years since I, I went, went to one. I've probably been I, to six total in the, you know, right. 10 years that I've been either doing a show or investigating. So mm-hmm. I don't frequent them office often mm-hmm. because of moments like this. I was walking around this one event, and I got to the, the corner and started around the corner. And on the banner on the front of the table, uh, how was it worded? <laughs> See our famous YouTube series and whatever, you know, whatever name of the group was, right? Right. I'm like, oh, okay. See our famous, right? 
So always, <laughs> uh, I'm sure any of my listeners will vouch for this. There's, if I don't have my phone in my hand, it's in my pocket. It's like never too far away from me. So I go to YouTube, search this famous YouTube series, and they have 17 <laughs> subscribers. Okay, well. And I'm like, famous. <laughs> and then I started looking well, at the view counts on the videos, and I'm like, there are more people in the room than this. <laughs> subjective. It's a subjective term. It's a subjective term. It really is. Um, I want to say the last time. I, I, I've not, I haven't been that often. I think the last conference I was was like Scarefest, like in 2017. That was the last one I went to. Uh, you know, and it was interesting because I got out to speak to a lot of people. You know, I like speaking to paranormal investigators. I love it. But I love speaking to ordinary people that tell you these stories that that's that's really what I like. You know, when they, they and sometimes, like I said, I don't need an explanation. You know, I don't, you know, sometimes, which there sometimes there isn't. But I love to hear these stories about experiences that people have had. And that's that's the one thing I could say that's a good place to find out about it. But yes, I, I know what you're saying as far as uh, sensationalism being the main <laughs> the main idea behind the group. And then uh, the, the time before that, I went to this event and I just seriously made a loop around, a loop around the room, right? Didn't pass out any business cards. Didn't say hello to anybody. I just kind of walked around, walked back outside. And I, cause uh, so I knew somebody was out smoking, you know, I'm like, Oh, okay. So I just walked in, you know, re-emission, whatever. I just wanted to see what was going on in there. Next thing I know, there are 25 people in this circle around me. We're all, you know, like people I know, people that want to, you know, uh-huh. get to know me because of this, that, or the other. And I'm like, if you're all out here, who's in there? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, um, and, and you know what? I'm telling you, some of the best, most authentic, interesting, disturbing, whatever you want to call it, stories I've gotten just by sheer chance. You know, when, somebody you start talking to somebody just sometimes even about other things and or but of course if you're at a place i like, say for example like Scarefest, but if it's happened to me in other places where you know um conversations go in that direction or like you said somebody will come up to you and they'll start talking but these are ordinary people what i mean by that is that they're not paranormal investigators or anything and then they'll start telling you uh these these stories that they're like that you're like what in the world this is way out there this is great and totally totally different setting from what you would think that you would hear all these ghost stories or paranormal stories or creepy stories whatever uh yeah that that's happened to me uh where people or people seek you out like i said sympathetic you'd be surprised sometimes people just are wanting to like i need to tell somebody about what happened to me you know I've got a story for that too. This when did this when did this become story time with me? I don't know. Then right now it just became story time with Jim. Let's go. <laughs> so I, I was at a flea market at the mall, kind of hokey, right? But anyways, <laughs> I like it because it was indoors and air conditioned, right? So I'm there. Um, I'm not sure how it brings business to the people that are actually in business there, but nevertheless, uh, I was walking <laughs> around and this old gentleman, not old older gentleman, eh, old. Um, walks up to me i've got my local team hat on but that's it and i'm not you know i'm not like kind of throwing it out there anybody you know i'm just kind of wearing a hat and this older guy walks up to me and puts my puts his arm right around my hip and i'm like well hello <laughs> not you know no boundaries no body yeah, boundaries like, is that what you say yeah, like, <laughs> no body space like okay you know and he says to me he looks you know i look at him he's like i have to tell somebody but i don't know how to tell anybody i'm like okay. You know, I'm just kind of in this weird, weird sense. He's like, my wife passed six months ago and I've seen her most every day since then. Oh, okay. But my kids would think I was nuts if I told them and probably put me in the home. Huh? But I had to tell somebody it would believe me. And I said, well, tell her you love her every time you see her and don't tell your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, you believe me? I'm like, yeah, of course. That you, how long were you married? You know, and then how long were you married? And we talked, you know, over mm-hmm. 50 years and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. That happens more more often than people think. Yeah. So. And, Absolutely. You know, a few it's minutes a later, he, a few minutes later, he was, he was happy and. Yeah. I was happy I mean, to have heard it. So. Yes. 
Yes. And, and you know what? And when you speak to people like that, you could tell it's not like like a wishful thing, like, oh, I wish or, you know, that they're kind of conjuring this person yeah. up because they miss them. This is they're legitimately, you know, just because they're old, it's not like they're like they've lost touch with reality. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can see that happening. And I absolutely understand that part where he's he's kind of being a realist. If I say this to my kids, you know where I'm going. Yeah. So. And he was not ready for it. I could tell you that. <laughs> like, yeah, uh-huh, of course, of course, of course, you know. So, yeah, it's uh, sometimes that that happens a lot with people. That's why I'm saying uh, sometimes I've heard stories of people saying, you know, I've never told anybody. And they really mean I've never told any about this that it happened because disbelief um, sometimes even, you know, if they have a certain job, they don't want it, the story to get out. Uh, it could be a whole range of reasons or sometimes it takes them a while. You know how when people have something happen to them that, for lack of a better word, it's kind of almost traumatic when it's something with a paranormal. It's like in your face. It's almost like if I talk about it, it'll really make it real. Let me see how far along I can go trying to make myself believe it was just my imagination <laughs> before I realize, no, it wasn't. I have to accept it. Yeah, It's amazing how far you can wonder sometimes if that really happened or not. Oh yeah, of course, of course, yeah. So, so my chatter. I'm waving hello to um, WR250 in Germantown running. Oh hi Harry, I didn't see you pop in, and my my buddy Roy, he's been listening the last few weeks. They're popping all sorts of good questions up, so I'm trying to. Well, I'm reading them at least. I'll, I'll, I'll admit I'll probably never get to all of them today, but they're they're good, and they make my job easier or difficult. I'm not sure which, but we'll say easy just because they're listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they want they want me to ask you about how technology has changed how people paranormal investigate. Well, I tell everybody when I started doing it was when you had to pay to develop film. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And... <laughs> people don't realize once upon a time. <laughs> and especially in this type of stuff, you could spend a lot of money. Even if you said that, you know, to these really cheap labs, you could you got a lot of pictures of the dark, you know, or you know, things like that. So, yes, back then it was easier and more difficult. It was easier because, of course, you didn't have all the equipment and stuff that you got now, which sometimes I think tend to be a little bit distracting because you get so caught up because people don't realize, yes, even a, even though, uh, you know, some of these things are automated, but other sometimes you might even need a person to be monitoring some cameras or if you've got something that's picking up some type of information. And if you're limited on your team member, you know, the warm bodies, it, it can, you end up paying worrying or paying more attention to your equipment than actually investigating. And since the supernatural is not an on-demand thing, sometimes the best thing you could do is to be in a certain place, like sit down, be quiet and observe without a bunch of stuff going on. But if you're attending to a bunch of equipment because you don't have enough people to be monitoring or be what they say at the nerve center, your your investigation suffers for it. Back then, you had maybe some, you know, you could take a base temperature reading, you had cameras, you had cassette players, you know, things to record. And of course, you had the, the little Radio Shack digital recorders. You know, it kind of evolved, but it was more basic. EMF, you have to be real careful with EMFs. That's so many false positives and stuff like that. So, for lack of a, I myself, I used a lot. I have had dowsing rods for the last 15 years, which are excellent as far as I'm concerned from my own personal use. Uh, they're very, um, they're slower, uh, but they're, as far as I'm concerned, they're very accurate, especially because let's say if you're engaged in some type of, you're actually conversing with a an entity, you're, you're limited to yes or no type of questions. Okay, um, and on a segue off of that, I I did also alternative hypnotherapy, which is you know I did the regular stop smoking you know weight control, but I did alternative hypnotherapy, which included spirit spirit attachments. Um, as far as uh, you know, people that have, have uh, attachments within the aura of their body, and sometimes, and by the way, this is not out and out possession or obsession or anything like that. This is something a little bit less, depending on what it is. Sometimes the spirit attachment was somebody known. 
sometimes it was an attachment totally no no connection whatsoever with the person something that they picked up uh for different a variety of reasons so i mean i've handled it both from a paranormal investigation setting uh to a clinical setting where you're working with somebody because they're this is affecting them and you basically converse or you explore that possibility via hypnosis so yeah it's that it's and i'm going to say also the advent of the reality shows sometimes i want to say unfortunately also prime people for jumping to the supernatural conclusion too quick uh and it's like i i'm going to for all those people out there in some cases in reality that's not what you want because i think sometimes people think it's fun and they don't understand really what are the pitfalls of having a true paranormal uh how can i say event especially if it has any malevolence to it it's a hor- it's a horrible thing and i've been on cases where uh you can tell that the whoever's there is eager they want the ghost and scarier the better and it's like you really don't know what you're asking for they don't they really don't because it's they, they think that when they get tired of it, you know, like they can put it away in the closet and that's it. And that's not the way it works. They find out the, the hard way that that's not the way it works. Well, that's the way they think it should work. So that's the way it works. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. And then surprise. It's that's not what it turns out to be. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't personally, Dallas. I start shaking like a leaf. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I walk in. Just bad shoulders and stuff. That's but I I totally am down for when people want to do that, and I find when I was investigating more frequently than I am now that mm-hmm. the equipment, like you said, the equipment became burdensome. Yeah, like trying to get it set up and without fail, the best thing that happens all night is two two minutes before you, you're you're heading out the door. After you packed everything up, <laughs> everything's in the case, ready to go, and somebody's—you know—you'll look up and you'll be like, "Oh, right there, right there in front of me." Oh, and you go to grab for the camera that you know you had on your neck all night, and it's not there because it's in the case, in the case, and ready to go. And you're like, "Yep." Well, I might as well throw all that—I might as well just throw all those memory cards away and not even worry about it because we. This happened to us <clears throat> more than once. Normally, you know, sometimes we would arrive in different cars to an investigation, right? So we would usually, what we would do is, you know, we're not going to stand out in front of the people's household. We would say, look, let's meet at the parking lot of the Burger King or the gas station. You know, let's like leave so we could just have like a quick 10 or 15 minute meeting and then everybody go their own way. You know, whatever. It wouldn't be the first time. By the way, what, 95% of the time, by the time we left, it was late. It was usually 11, 12, 1, 2, 3 in the morning, depending, depending on what the duration of the investigation was. And we would pull in. And we just, more than once, we had really weird stuff happen around us while we're standing there talking in a kind of empty parking lot. We had experiences of one time we're standing there and it's like, I want to maybe four to six of us, something like that. And again, it was I want to say, if I remember, it was like the parking lot of a gas station, but it was empty. We were off to the side. And all of a sudden, we're hearing like a group of people talking. But you know when you're talking amongst yourself and it doesn't intrude on you and then all of a sudden, you're like, hey, who is that? You know, but you know when you hear like voices, but then you're looking around and you're like, what, you know, who's talking? That happened, I want to say, on more than one occasion. Okay. We could never find the source of it. There was absolutely no this, and this, by the way, this wasn't a radio. This wasn't. This was a murmur of a conversation going on. Okay, uh, another time we had somebody um, that we heard stuff. We had parked, and we you know we usually parked, and we would just stand around next to our cars. You know, everybody would just pull up. And uh, one time with this this lady, and she, she had to take drive by back by herself. We heard something thumping in the trunk of her car. And everybody looked at each other like, did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. And we're looking at her like, well, what did you put in your trunk? And she's looking at us like, what? There's nothing in my trunk. And, you know, everybody's like, what? 
So, of course, we was like, you need to open your trunk. She opens the trunk. There's nothing in the trunk. It's like, you know, stuff, normal stuff that people put in their trunk. You know, not messy, not, not nothing, but, and it sounded, it wasn't like, oh, you know, something that might have fallen over. It was heard like, almost like I want to say for lack of a better, something that was alive. Like if you put a cat, a dog or something, it's thumping around. And then she goes around and this was around the time, you know, when the Beanie Babies were really big that everybody was collecting Beanie Babies and all that stuff. And <laughs> she had a few of them uh, in the dashboard of her car. So she goes around and all of a sudden she comes back to us and she's, her face is like white, like beyond white. It was like, she's like, you're not going to believe this. And we're like, what now? You know what? So uh, she's like, the Beanie Babies. And we're like, the Beanie Babies? What happened? You know, like what? She, she found them flung like around her car. She's had like three or something on her dashboard or something like that. And she's like, they were there when I pulled up. And we're like, and you know what? It's really funny because when you think of it, it's not really menacing per se. It's somebody flung Beanie Babies around the <laughs> inside your car. But what I'm saying is that sometimes you would have things like this happen exactly like what you said. Nobody, nobody, we weren't investigating. We weren't. We were just, re, you know, talking about what, what did you think and what, what happened with you and and things happened. So you, nobody was filming it. Nobody was recording it. Nobody was nothing. All we had were each other as witnesses. And that was it. And that people don't realize that when you do investigation, that happens a lot of times. Or like what you described, after you've packed up the last thing or rolled up, you know, unplugged it, then, you know, you get the, the show going. Yeah, that's, uh, that's for sure. So, yeah, I, yeah we've, I've had a lot of experiences, uh, you know, along those lines before and after investigations where it's like, uh, you know what, I, I know what I'm hearing or what I'm experiencing and forget it. You know, I just, I, I just know it, you know, things so, along those lines. So let's um, have some fun here for a second. Is there a, because sure. I, I mean, we're on the doorsteps of Halloween, right? Yes. I think yes. everybody's eyes are right there, especially in our community, so to speak. I mean, that's like the, the, uh, the big ticket, right? Is there a, a season that it's more active or a, I mean, I guess there's a TV show that has a particular time or is this all just kind of uh, magic and it's just well, not accurate? Okay. <laughs> this is what I, <clears throat> this is what I found. Yes, of course, Halloween and, you know, and of course the, what they say, oh, that the veil is the thinnest between the worlds, blah, 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 blah. Okay. My experience, what happens is the more people try to communicate with the other side, the more activity you're going to get. Okay. So of course, what does a lot of people do in Halloween stuff that they don't do in the rest of the year, you know, or when, when I say Halloween, I mean, Halloween time, <clears throat> you know, that you go to the stores and they've got all the stuff and everybody's like, Oh, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's, let's pull out of the Ouija board. Let's, let's go visit the cemetery. Let's do something scary. Let's. So that you see an uptick sometimes in people having experiences because at that time you have, actually more people trying to really communicate even though you would think everybody's doing it 24 7 365 a year there's a lot of people that normally just watch actually participate or try to do something because they try to get scared and every once in a no more than once in a while i take that back they actually like uh dumb luck dumb luck they you you will have these entities that are free-floating they're discarnates who are not bound to a place you know, as in the typical haunted house. And all they're looking for is exactly that. Somebody reaching out to them, trying to communicate. And if you have one sensitive amongst you or anybody that's got some type of, they're a medium, that's it. You know, you you get connected. So, yeah, that that there's more. It's just because more people are thinking about it and actually trying, attempting it. Uh, which you have to... Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not. I don't like to be a fear monger, but you have to be really careful sometimes with that, because what you're going to get is a discarnate, which has not. How can I say it? It's it's low level. It's low vibration, which means it's problem. It's a problem. Whether it's you're talking a regular human soul that's just lost, confused, missed the turn off for the uh, the tunnel, the tunnel of light thing, or something truly malevolent that's not human. Uh, that, by the way, 
that that attempt at communication to them is the invite that they need. Because to us, we think of an invite as you're cordially invited to. They will take the invite as either attempts of communication, uh, confrontation, provocation. This to them is like, oh, you're giving me the green light? Okay, here we go. Uh, So you have to, that's why sometimes people, when they do this, especially when they try the the communication through different methods, they got to be really careful. Or when they go to cemeteries and there's stuff lurking in cemeteries, not only the obvious, which is this is where dead people are buried, but because you'd see a lot, people are would be surprised how many rituals or spell work items are tossed inside cemeteries. Or you, if you are having somebody that's harnessing a discarnate for uh, divination purposes, at one point if they want to get rid of them, they'll leave them at a cemetery. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you can find at a cemetery. That's not what everybody thinks. Of course, you know, the people that are buried there. Uh, you have something called cent- cemetery sentinels. Again, you know, people around Halloween time, this is like, well, what should we do? Oh, let's go visit the cemetery. And that's sometimes where they run into a problem. Well, that's, I, I personally believe cemeteries are the most peaceful places I visit, but you're right. People go there and do all sorts of things for whatever reason. I guess it's just mm-hmm. probably because, you know, they believe it has a special power. And, and Anyways. Um, well, I you per- know what? I- <laughs> you could, you could, well, this is South Florida, which is, there's a lot of the, I, right now, I could, about every time, I want to say 90% of the times I've been to a cemetery for whatever reason, I have found some type of ritual item or dead animal on cemetery grounds. Which is ritual work. I yeah. found that. But. And they, and if you think it's coincidental that they chuck that in the cemetery, no, it's not. No, it's not. But it's it's horrible. They need to, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, what goes out comes out, comes back, so whatever. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, you do find that a lot. And um, of course, that'd be awkward a, one day waking up and finding a bunch of stuff, dead stuff in your yard. Well, you know what? It's it's that's why I'm saying sometimes people think of the cemetery as being just like you said. Well, rest in peace. This is the place where people are laid to rest. And uh, you know, but there the, the thing is that sometimes it's uh, used for other things, uh, and sometimes what's in that. And I'm going to I'm going to tell you a short story. Um, one time I had uh, uh, one of my son's girlfriends. She lived when she was like a teenager, very young. As a matter of fact, I want to say even before she was a teenager, they lived across the street from a really old cemetery here in Miami. OK, and, you know, the cemetery while I was there, you would cross the street and they lived at a house right there. And it was, she lived there with her mom, her uh, her grandparents, and she was the oldest of four sisters. And her dad was a trucker, so he spent a lot of time, you know, away from home because he was traveling. So she says that, <clears throat> because they were kind of short on space, all four girls would sleep in that one bedroom. And she tells me, she, I think, I want to say she maybe she was around 11 or 12. She was the oldest of the four. They said they kept hearing noises in the closet, okay, and every once in a while, the closet door would swing open and they could still hear stuff like being moved around. That, like they were ha- The four girls were really having a hard time sleeping in this room. But anyway, she says that one night she's sleeping and she says that the way the bedroom door was angled, it would, you know, you know, when you could see the hallway that leads up to your bedroom. And she says that it was she wakes up and there's some ambient lighting coming through. And she says she sees something. She wakes up and she sees something coming down the hallway, but really close to the floor. Okay. And she said that somehow in her mind, she's thinking, is that my dad trying to scare me? You know, like one of these things, like, you know, when you're like, and she says as it gets closer, she's realizing it's got, it's like a human skeletal face, but this thing is walking on all fours, but very low to the ground. Okay. But she says that as this walk, she says that she sees it coming down the hallway. And she, at first, she can't make out what it is and it's getting closer. She's like thinking, you know, like, I guess as a child, you're kind of wigging out just like an adult would be like, how can that be? And she says, we didn't have a pet. We didn't have a dog, nothing, none of the above. 
And it turns out that it was something that she says was like a man, like a skeletal face, but at the same time walking crouched down with its joints at an impossible angle. In other words, she says, of course, she starts screaming. And then, of course, everybody wakes up. Everybody runs in. You know what happened? And she says it was a rental. They they moved out the, out of there for like uh, pretty soon afterwards. And then later on, they uh, her grandfather had, you know, had struck up already a friendship with some of the neighbors who lived, you know, lived in the adjoining houses. And turns out that that house, they would have renters come and go frequently. And that a lot of the people because this was an older neighborhood in Miami, uh, just about every property that ran along the the perimeter across the street from the cemetery would either, if it was a rental, they would have a steady come and go, same thing with sales of houses. So again, you know, you have that bleeding off of what happens or what's done in cemetery grounds. It is just remarkable though. Okay, so... <clears throat> Excuse me. We've dan- we've danced around reality TV show tonight, and I, I guess I'm going to ask just one question. So everybody listening can understand there's one question coming about this, and it's probably not the question most people are looking for, but we're going to ask it anyways. Um, Zach Bagans in the Demon House. Do you believe he did the right thing by tearing that house down? Mm. I want to say yes, yes. Um, I, I mean, it was all, because I think about, okay, he bought the property. Okay. If he would have left it standing, I think that maybe what he was trying to avoid was it being coming, you know, being a problem for the neighbors or for, you know, people doing weird stuff or just, just congregating and running over it. Because I'm thinking, I might be wrong, but what are the chances are who would want to rent it? Or if somebody rented it, what were their purposes? And then it would have probably have people tramping all over the place. And and part of me wants to say, would it have been great to be able to investigate it, considering that according to him, it was a very dark entity in there? Or was it, hey, I'm going to do these neighbors a favor and I'm going to demolish this thing so that they're not here suffering because this house now is infamous yeah there would have been a lot of crazy activity people have been breaking into it just because oh yeah yes just because okay so let's talk about the books real quick before i Mm -hmm. shoot you out of here you've got oh i i looked at this and then i see some of them were coming and I think some are, isn't there one coming out soon or just out recently? Right, or? yeah. I have a, I have a, my first three books are nonfiction, which is the uh, haunted history of the old West Wicked Ladies, and I put out another one, which is uh, it's a, it's a, it's a fiction. It's a Lady in the Blue Kimono, film noir, murders. This was because I did a lot of research. I found it's like a, a list of uh, ver- barely known but uh, truthful. Uh, murder cases that happened around the times of the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And then this last one I did, which is Supernatural Safety, which is that I give DIY advice for people that are experiencing some type of paranormal paranormal events as to what they can do themselves. And in some cases, this is beyond you. You know, stop right there and you need to get somebody to help you. Clergy, a paranormal group. But but there's other stuff that you can do, and that's what that paranormal, uh, that supernatural safety book is about. And now about to release another one. This is my first fiction book, which is Walker Between the Worlds. Uh, and that's like a supernatural dark fantasy that uh, it's probably, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be released uh, probably, I think it was October 17th is the date that it's set to go. Well, send me an email here this week, and I'll get you a date in October, and we'll have you back to talk about. We'll oh, fantastic! Light this, light this all up again, because I feel yes. this conversation is far from finished, and I also feel that even if I kept you on for the next twenty-ish minutes, that the conversation wouldn't be finished then either. So let's just put a nice little. Oh, give me, give me your website real quick before I do hang up. It's, uh, you can go to MarlenePardo.com or MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Either one has all the information about the shows, about the books. About everything, because I, I feel there's a lot on the table. We didn't, I mean, we didn't even get into any of the um, 
there's a lot of stories like we ran across, and I'm sure there's some more that we can run across and get into. So oh, yeah, I feel good yes. about that. So yes. okay. maybe we can have a Jim and Marlene story time. Yeah, we'll do that again. Um, maybe, <laughs> as fun as that was, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing because I normally, you know, there's times I just kind of just ask the next question and don't go to that into that interjection mode. So I don't know. Must must be good tonight. So hey, but uh, thank you again for um, allowing me this little bit of flexibility tonight. And then, like I said, we'll get you back, and I'm sure we'll have. I have. I still have other questions on my sheet. So my prep work is probably done, and we'll talk about the book as well. Fantastic. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. And that's Marlene Pardo. See, this is great. Like I, 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 uh, it's coming back in October guys. I just told you that she just got her. Oh, I'll find, yeah, she's, she's wonderful. She reminded me of some good stuff today. So, okay. So going to flip the, well, the call lines have been open, but I'm going to flip them open for real on the show. Two three four seven three eight two five five two. I know there was some uh, talk of getting some of you loyal listeners in there to call in. No pressure, of course, but maybe a little pressure. Now, I only have a couple things to talk about, so there's a little pressure for somebody to step up to the plate and wants to talk about these things. First thing is a story Germantown runner sent me this afternoon that. Video games are declining for the first time in uh, 20 years, I think it was. Interesting, right? But is, th- is, this, is this a metric problem? Not an actual statistic. Because video games are selling less. Now, I'm sure consoles, your PlayStations, your Xboxes, your whatever else are out there. I don't know. I'm not a cool kid anymore. I don't have a clue your Xbox 10 and your PlayStation 90. Um, I know it's not that high. I know some poor gamer out there is going to kill me for saying that. It's a joke. Lighten up. Go back to playing Minecraft now. Okay. That's the chat room's already beating me to the point here. Console video games are probably slowing down. Because... A, there's a lot of them, right? How many Maddens do you really need? Yes, the rosters change. Yes, the graphics... What, do the graphics get any better anymore? I really don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't know. But I'm just saying, how many shooters can... How many first-person shooters do you really need? Right? Of course, the violent video games are... a another show for itself, but I will say this. I've also played uh, Farmville on Facebook and Farm Simulator on the Xbox One and I'm not a farmer. Just saying. It does not work both ways. Trust me, I tried. That's why I went out and bought Farm Simulator for the Xbox. I wanted to become a farmer just to prove their point. And about after weeks of playing it, it didn't work. But I did grow some nice corn, which I couldn't eat. And crashed my tractor a few times. More than a few times. To the point where I'm surprised they let me have a tractor, actually. Anyways. Rather disappointing. There's not as nearly as much crash action as you'd think there'd be in a game like that. But, maybe that's the new version. Okay, so, but here's the thing, right? I'm sitting here holding my phone. And I've got, hold on, I'm going to look. I'm going to look. We're doing this live here. I've got, according to this folder that I have games in, I've got six games for the kids on there. Well, none of them are consoles. And all of those were, are free with in-app purchases, which I don't do because that's just a big... I understand, but I don't do it. Sorry, developers. I get it. I understand you got to make money. I understand i got to make money. I understand how the world works. This doesn't mean I want to pay two ninety nine for ten tokens. I just, you know, okay. You haven't got me addicted enough yet, right? Of course, they're kids' games, so you're never going to get me addicted to the guy with the money. Hmm. Okay. 
So there's that one. If you want to talk about video games, if you are a video gamer in, you know, I, I've, I've been looking for one. Now, I, you people out there are going to roll their eyes and shrug at me and go, really? Are you, are you that? Yeah. I've been looking for somebody out there who plays these video games online successfully. Not some, yeah, I know there's a lot of people that stream on Twitch. I used to stream on Twitch to show. It doesn't make me a successful video gamer. So I'm looking for somebody with some actual level of success doing this. A pro esports guy, somebody, or somebody with hundreds of thousands of YouTube subscribers, somebody with some, some juice to talk to me about this. Because I've been trying, seriously trying, to wrap my head around watching people play games. But people do it. And there's it's a business. I mean, it's legitimate. Just saying, I don't understand. I want to understand. I don't know if the person who does it would be the person to explain it to me, but maybe they have some insight into it that I don't understand. So there's shot one over the bow. I'm looking for good good quality gamer guest. Oh, excuse me again. Shot two is coming up. Everybody ready? This one bothered me this morning. This one bothered me this morning. I wake up, check my email. I get a blog post from a well-known radio site. Podcast growth is stalled. And I went, okay, what does that mean particularly coming from a radio perspective? So I read the article, and they say 85% of podcast downloads come from smartphones. It has been that way for the last few months. Podcast growth has stalled. Really? 85% of people who own a smartphone are downloading podcasts. Now that's stalled? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Think about it. That means... Eight out of ten people with a smartphone are listening to podcasts. Maybe just one. Maybe ten. Maybe twenty. Right? Yeah, I think the average number is twelve. With people consume podcasts, they consume twelve different ones a week. I'm glad that you guys take the opportunity to consume the Mallory Report every week. Or every other week. Or... Whenever you feel like it. That's great for me. I wish you'd all listen more often. I wish you'd all share more often. But that's not the point of this. This rant right now. The point of this rant right now is 85%. How how fast is radio going to decline if people start listening to podcasts at an 85% rate? Even if they're listening to their favorite talk radio show on their podcast app... That is going to kill their affiliates. Right? I know. Most of you people think this is way too far inside baseball for you. This has real world implications, though. Beyond my show, beyond podcasts, beyond this real world implications. Now, follow me for just a second. People start downloading podcasts. People start downloading more podcasts. People start downloading successful talk radio shows. They sometimes cut ads out. They sometimes have different ads. But, okay. That's fine. Now, I got another email this morning. Maybe this was the same email. I don't know. Maybe this was on Twitter. I didn't write the sources down, but you can go look this up. This one I'll quote. That for the first time in 2020, this is just mind-boggling to me, NPR, National Public Radio, For the first time in its history, which, you know, more revenue will come in through their podcast advertising than their traditional broadcast advertising department. Sometime in 2020, that'll happen. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I've been preparing you all for for years. If you've listened to the show for years, I've been telling you the Internet's the future, the Internet's the way of the the way of the land. W 
R250 post about the average one-hour radio show is, uh, uh, what is it, 37 minutes, including the live reads, and 23 minutes of ads. And that's the average show, because I can think of some shows that the numbers are the other way around. But we won't name names here. Of course, there's this show, which is, what, um, two minutes of uh, bumper music, one, what, 45-second live read, and the rest is content. Kind of exciting, right? So, that leads me to this. There's your next shot. Well, kind of two shots there, right? Money is being spent on podcast, which is great because that'll filter down. I do believe that. I am. Um, of course, I you know I'm not necessarily looking for be sponsored by Ford or Chevrolet. I'm also you know I do find this a wee bit funny. This is the ser- one of the serious shots here. We're building momentum here. I'm calling out all my fellow hosts. Everybody that does a show, everybody that laughs about somebody promoting a product and then turning around six weeks later, six months later, a year later and saying, have you promote?" and they're promoting a different version of the same product. I'm sick of it. I'm going to start naming names. I'm going to start taking screenshots of you people laughing about people promoting healthy supplements or any of these other things. They're making dollars from it. And guess what? Now you are too. But before you are laughing about and saying you never do that, that's bullshit because you're now you're doing it. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Somebody mark the time and the date and you could bring this back to me someday and mark it in my face. My show, I'm not going to endorse some product that is something I'm not going to use. I mean, from Verity's Apparel, I, I wore those shirts all the time, right? Uh, School of Errors, I got the book on my desk. Next sponsor, I uh, promise you out the same way. Period. There's, I mean, you can go search it out. There's a lot of people out there that think, you know, this guy or that guy. I could. There's two main guys that I'm thinking about right now. And there's always been this crowd that says, well, that'll never happen to my show, you know, da 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 but they always say it on Facebook or in a private message or whatever. But now I'm putting it on the record. If it's not a product that I wouldn't use, I'm not going to sell it to you guys. Period. I don't understand. And then I'm also not going to, you know, try to use a product that I wouldn't necessarily use just because I want to collect a check. Been approached by diet diet people a couple of times. Uh, sorry, guys. Yes, I could use stand to use a few pounds, but you know I don't need to throw up my life away or run to the bathroom constantly more than I already do. So if you agree with that statement, that's a shot fired over the bowel. Yeah, the Mallard diet. Wake up, eat. Go to sleep, eat. Yeah, well, you're you're nailing one of them right there on the head. It's it's bad. I won't name his name, though, because I'm trying to get him as a guest on the show. He probably won't come on now. Of course, he probably wasn't coming on anyways. Just how I feel. And I know everybody's got bills to pay. But, I don't know. There's a lot of great other stuff out there you could be promoting. That's all I'll say about that. Now, anybody want to call in? You bring this thing up right now, and you could probably save me from burning another couple bridges if you want. I know. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to hear me listen to me light stuff on fire. That's what we do, right? Okay, so. Hi, Mari. Good to hear. Good to see from you. Good to see from you. Good to hear from you. I don't know. I just messed that up. Okay. What? Two more things here. Now, listen and listen close. October is coming. We just we just talked about this. Halloween is coming, right? And please, right? Like I said, you can listen to 12 other podcasts, and that's fine. And that's great. I want you to listen to their podcast. I encourage it. 
I want you to subscribe. I want you to review them. I want you to do everything that you do for me and more. Right? That's great. Because as people, as more people download more podcasts, it's all good. Right? It's a volume play. I get it. But let's be mindful, right? Let's be mindful of one thing. Halloween is coming. And people will be out there exploiting ghost stories to line their own, own pockets. They'll be selling whatever they can sell just to make a few bucks because it's Halloween. I get it. People love it. But here's the other thing, right? Follow me for just one second. I'm not saying people shouldn't sell stuff. I'm not saying... I'm just saying wait until after Halloween and see how much it costs. Okay? If that ebook um, by whoever looks good today or October 17th, it's a paranormal book, maybe, maybe the price will come down a few bucks after Halloween. I'm not saying people shouldn't profit. I'm just saying be a smart consumer. Is that fair? Is that fair, everybody? Is that fair? To want you guys to protect your pocketbook and not get ripped off. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should wish, I'm wishing all these people all the millions of sales they can get. But I just don't want them um, ripping off people. Screwing my consumers, screwing my listeners. I don't like that. I like the honest, um, everyday approach. Now, hey, if you want that book and you want to buy it today and you want to pay eight ninety nine and it could become ninety nine cents after Halloween. Hey, that's all, that's all, that's fine by me. It's your money, you earned it. But I just um, just want want you guys to be aware that there are less than some less less than trustworthy people out there, especially this time of year coming. So just keep that in mind. I just really would appreciate that. I know I've seen some horror stories of people who contacted me last year about this time. Because they wanted to read a reading from a medium, and for some reason their price was twice as much in October as it was the rest of the year. And the reading wasn't even that good. Their words, not mine. And they told me what they, the reading showed, and I said, that was a cool reading. You got doubly hosed. So just be aware. That's all I'm asking. Okay. Boy... I made everybody mad tonight, I'm pretty sure. But I haven't made everybody mad enough yet. I know, right? How is that possible? How can I make people more mad, more frustrated with me than I already am? How does that happen? How can I do that? What is left for me to say tonight? What can I say that make people more mad? Well, I have something. I will say it. So, as many of you have realized, over the course of the last six months or so, now I took a, a big dead air break. Build some fence. Um, within my seven seconds, as allowed, or supposedly allowed by the governing body that doesn't even govern the show. Okay. As a lot of you people noticed, the last six months I've been kind of stretched thin, playing with a lot of things in my mind, not really interacting the way I should or all this other stuff been focused on rebuilding the website even nobody nobody notices the difference this is click faster and it's it's built better for me well I've been doing that I've I've invested some time to make things easier for some people along the way so I'm not gonna have time to talk about this I'm really not what an ultimate tease. I teased it up, and then I realized that I have way more to talk about than I have time left to talk about. What a, what a nightmare for me. I've wanted to talk about this all day, and now I don't have time to talk about it. When am I going to talk about it? I don't know. It's going to be a while. This is just horrible. Tune in. Keep tuning in. I'll explain what's going on here sometime. Good night, everybody. Views and opinions expressed on the Mallard Report are those of the host and participants. For past shows, social media links, and so much more, visit Mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. And thanks for listening.
Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.